When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Drags. It's Wednesday, October 2nd, time for episode 318 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com and follow us, as always, on Twitter at PatriotsCLNS. This week, I welcome back Patriots Beat writer Andrew Callahan. Following a midseason trade from Mass Live to the Boston Herald, you can and should be following him at underscore Andrew Callahan. All one word after the underscore. How different is it writing for the Herald, uh, Andrew, versus Mass Live? Uh, it's quite different, and thanks for actually having me back on. I'm honored to be the guest on number 318. That uh, That is still sinking in here. And that is kudos to you for having the, the podcast on for so long. Um, but, you know, it, it's a smaller volume uh, of content, but the posts are longer. The stories, I would say, on average, a little bit more in-depth and you know, I had a lot of freedom in Mass Live, but it's only been my, my first week, so still kind of getting used to the workflow, and obviously the paper's a consideration. It's not just strictly digital. So, um, yeah, I'd say the story's a little bit longer, but, you know, it'll be like, uh, you know, second nature soon enough. Patriots, uh, Andrew, open as heavy favorites uh, in Washington per our exclusive online sportsbook partners at betonline.ag. Patriots open as 15-point favorites. And you make the point uh, that uh, this is becoming a habit, that the Patriots uh, on the road have been uh, remarkably large favorites, like unprecedented. They were obviously 18.5-point favorites uh, in the first road game of the year uh, at Miami. And uh, the spread for this coming Patriots Redskins kickoff uh, is the largest of the week around the NFL. I, I look at this game, Andrew, and I'm like, there's no chance for the Redskins going in, right? I'd have to think so. I mean, barring some sort of catastrophic injury, this is, you know, for the Patriots, obviously, this is an 0 4 Redskins team with, you know, uh, its backup quarterback, which of course is now you really your technically third quarterback after Alex Smith was knocked out last season. Uh, and now going on into this year. So for them, I think there's just dysfunction from top to bottom. There's certainly some talent there, and it's early enough in the season where it's hard to rule out anything entirely. But I think even a close Patriots win at this point would be shocking. So to flip that to the other side of a Redskins victory, I mean, I think they have to throw the kitchen sink at New England and maybe a little bit more. How historic do you think, Andrew, this Patriots defense is? And how do you temper that enthusiasm with the fact that they and no fault of their own, obviously the old cliche. They just play the schedule, but they have played in successive weeks. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Luke Falk, and Josh Allen. Now you take on a team that you just mentioned could throw out one of actually three quarterbacks: Case Keenum, who was benched. Dwayne Haskins came in last week in in um, New York, and and they lost twenty four to three. And Colt McCoy. Yeah, you know, I think context is definitely important, and especially when you're considering the, the size of the sample, as you just mentioned. You know, we're just four weeks into the season here, but on the flip side of that, you have to consider the power of that sample. And the Patriots have been on just, you know, an unprecedented streak, certainly in franchise history and rare era in the NFL in terms of, you know, going three straight weeks without allowing 
uh, an offensive touchdown broken last week in Buffalo, but still limited them to just a single offensive touchdown. So this defense, when you consider just the rare error in their first few weeks, I don't think there's any kind of cliff coming for them. And if there's any sort of regression, it's going to be minor. Now, you know, we'll see how things go once teams have more tape on them. And obviously, as you mentioned, you know, they're only going to be better quarterbacks down the line. But when you look at the roster, their film, their experience, I mean, they have everything you would want in terms of the ingredients for great defense. We knew that going in. And all they've shown us so far is that they picked up right where they left off in the Super Bowl with arguably the best defensive performance in Super Bowl history. So this defense will be tested down the line. They're going to give up, you know, more than 15, 20 points down uh, in the future. But, you know, for now, I, I think you couldn't have asked anything more for them and, you know, have to be considered, if not the best defense in the NFL, certainly in that top five range. I got to tell you, Andrew, watching this team closely through four weeks on the defensive end, their linebacking play was considered deep coming into the season. It's not only been deep, it's been spectacular. Uh, and I think that's been led by two linebackers in particular. Uh, and feel free to disagree with me, but Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins. I think those two players have taken this uh, defense to the next level simply because it seems like they're collapsing the edges on offensive lines. Yeah, no question about it. And because when you look at that game at Buffalo, I mean, did you even notice that Dante Hightower was missing? <laughs> We're no, about I mean, it's remarkable. Defense. Right, in and of itself. And it's a huge credit to Van Noy, who was probably the defensive MVP, you know, through the first month. And that's saying something when Jamie Collins has, you know, of course, two interceptions at Miami. He's adding, you know, more sacks against the Jets and, of course, gets a sack. And then the game inter- interception at Buffalo. Uh, it's just a very deep little group who have obviously been in that system and you see them kind of changing spots as need be and then you've got, you know, Hightower out of the middle. Well, he's still rolling with the Landon Roberts and Juwan Bentley, you know, who are fine starters in that capacity and I think, you know, that talent and that depth was what drove part of the transition they made this season. They're playing base defense, which no one plays a whole lot of base in terms of 4-3 versus 3-4, but they switched from 4-3 to 3-4 because they knew that's where our strength would be and that's because of Collins coming aboard and then just another year in the system for guys like Van Noy and Dimension Roberts and Bentley, too, on top of Dr. Hightower. Speaking with Andrew Callahan, a newly minted uh, Boston Herald Patriots beat writer and columnist. You can find him on Twitter at underscore Andrew Callahan. Football season is back, and now you can get into the game with our exclusive sports betting partners, betonline.ag. Sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and make your bets on your favorite professional or college team. Every spread, every total, every winner or loser, straight bet, parlay, or just tease your way through the season. Will Patrick Mahomes throw for 56 touchdowns? Can the Patriots go undefeated? Bet on all of this with the fastest odds, updates, and payouts with our new sportsbook partners, betonline.ag. Head on over to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join today and use that promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Get into all the action today with betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Back with Boston Herald's Andrew Callahan. I want to touch on uh, the quarterback issue, the crisis that I think the NFL is having, and I don't think that's overstating it. Uh, we mentioned the young quarterbacks uh, and one one veteran, uh, that would be Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, who the Patriots have really handled uh, in the first uh, four weeks of the season. Here's my issue, Andrew. Even some of the veterans in this league look atrocious. Joe Flacco, Andy Dalton, and Eli Manning. How did quarterback play in the NFL get this bad this quick? 
I think this year you have to start with the injuries. And, you know, Balk is a good example. Sam Darnold goes down with Mono, and you've seen, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, of course. You're just talking about two quarterbacks on half of the Patriots' schedule today are out, you know, for an extended period of time, if not the season. So Cam Newton's in that discussion as well. So that's going to rise the backups to, of course, naturally not equipped or, or good enough to start. And that overall will bring the perception of quarterback play down. I think, you know, Flacco and Eli, those are guys who are just in the back end of their careers and probably shouldn't, you know, have have been starting this season. But when you look at the situations in Denver uh, and now in New York, I mean, New York, of course, drafting Daniel Jones, they, they feel like they're in a good spot. But Denver has just been atrocious in terms of its ability to replace Peyton Manning and especially through the draft. So they're left with an option like Flacco, who, you know, wouldn't start for most teams. But, you know, all in all, I think overall it, it's probably never been easier to play quarterback in the league. And it doesn't look like that right now. But when you look at the the passers who are able to come in, you know, from college in the NFL and the sort of the merging of some of these spread concepts, it's not a totally foreign language, which it used to be. And pile that on with the rule changes where they're protected more in the pocket than they ever have been before and they're able to play with tempo. I think they're able to jump in a little bit faster. Um, but, you know, it's difficult to say right now just because, like I said, of all the injuries and some of the guys who have been forced into action that really ideally wouldn't be there. And the other thing, I, the other caveat I really should point out, like with Andy Dalton, anybody who watched that Monday night game in Pittsburgh, the guy was sacked eight times. And that offensive line in Cincinnati yeah. is, is abysmally bad, arguably the worst in the NFL and by a long distance, uh, to boot. Uh, you know, when you don't have the good offensive line, uh, and we, we, we're seeing some of that, I think, in New England. Uh, look, Dante Scarnecchia can do work wonders with the offensive line, but at a certain point in time, there's only so much coaching you can do before the actual level of talent levels off, correct? No question about it. And I think, you know, that where I would lean on the, you know, uh, recent downturn in performance, maybe not so much quarterbacks, but offensive line play and where I, why that is across the league, I can't exactly put my finger on it, but you're right in that it directly affects the quarterback play where you're just having fewer tackles and quality offensive lines across the board where you used to go, you know, okay, the Patriots would have a really good line. Dallas would have a really good line. I mean, those teams are just becoming fewer and fewer. You know, you're right. I mean, Marshall Newhouse signed strictly off the street. Corey Cunningham and tackle traded for in late August. Jermaine uh, Luminor, who we saw as the third tight end in Buffalo, another guy they acquired in late August. So, you know, there's only so much clay with which to work there. But, you know, it, it's becoming more and more difficult to identify those strong offensive lines uh, across the league. And, you know, England's a perfect example. Speaking with Patriots beat writer Andrew Callahan of the Boston Herald. Okay, every so often in an NFL game, there are moments that break Twitter. And um, there was one of those moments uh, in the game on Sunday when uh, Josh Allen took off and was scrambling for a first down and was tackled from behind. And John Jones came in and drilled him. And at first glance, I'll be the first to admit this, Andrew, I'm like, boy, that looked like a vicious hit that John Jones is probably going to get ejected for. Um, as it turns out, he was flagged because he did make contact with Allen's hit. But I think the officials actually got it right by not ejecting him because if you look at the replay from the backside of the play, it was, I thought, the way I interpreted based on the replay, it was actually Josh Allen who instigated the contact. Yeah, I, I agree with the league's decision and, and the referees on hand not to eject him for that same reason. And Bill Belichick talked about this on Monday, just saying, listen, John turned his head slightly. 
you know, obviously there's helmet to helmet contact, but he doesn't have that linear posture, which, you know, those are the three boxes you really have to check. And that, you know, you have no other option. You choose to tackle by leading with your head into another player's helmet. And that's kind of that linear posture where you're bent over using yourself essentially as a human spear. So um, Jones didn't check any of those boxes. Obviously the contact, you know, was vicious and physical. And when you've got a premier player for Buffalo, or at least a high profile one, it's going to draw you know, more more anger from the fan base. The other part about that, too, is, you know, I, I was watching from home, didn't get to travel to this game uh, with my, you know, recent transition to the Herald, but it, it allowed me to see what everyone else was at home and kind of driving that Twitter breaking. And part of it was Dan Faust, the analyst for CBS broadcast, saying initially that's a vicious hit. And so when that first voice is kind of setting a tone for how you're processing this hit and what you think, and he's the one saying, you know, this is a terrible hit by Jones, he didn't have to do that, that impression is just going to be left upon a number of people watching that game who aren't going to give it a second thought, and especially those from Buffalo. So I think Faust's initial reaction and analysis in terms of also just the visceral nature and reaction to that hit, you know, kind of leads people towards the end of the ejection. But like you said, when you slow it down and look at it again, a little bit more clearer eyes, you see, okay, this was not by definition a hit that should have drawn an ejection. That is such a great point, uh, Andrew, about the Dan Fouts reaction. Not that, look, I mean, every broadcaster is going to make his mistakes, but when you hear a veteran, you know, a former player in the National Football League make that observation, it really does kind of drive the conversation, certainly on social media. And what was also uh, appropriate and slash ironic about that uh, that hit was it happened within the same one hour time span is Vontez Burfix brutal, inexcusable hit yeah. uh, in Indianapolis. Exactly. So, you know, there's just that natural, you know, instinct to compare the two or it's just fresh in your memory. You've got some recency bias and you want to, you know, group them together in that sense. And, it, and it's hard to detach yourself from that because, I mean, you watch a hit alone. No one is going, okay, that's a normal hit. And especially when Allen is lying there looking like he was knocked out cold. And, and none of this, you know, points to normal football. It's just violent. And it, it's difficult to watch, frankly. So you kind of lean and, you know, have that knee jerk, like there should be an equally severe consequence for this. But, you know, by the book and, and, and by the rule, that wasn't warranted. And, you know, it's kind of hard to sift through all of those things in the moment. But I think the, the people who were in charge of making that decision did, did the right job and were able to kind of, you know, separate themselves from that initial uh, emotion and, and make the right decision. All right, Andrew, uh, your report card from Tuesday in the Boston Herald can be found at bostonherald.com. Linebackers get an A. I mean, I think the, the play of Kyle Van Noy uh, speaks for itself. Uh, you also, um, you know, put uh, Chase Winovich in there. As, I think Chase Winovich is very quietly having a sensational rookie year. Granted, it's fourth game so far, but I think he has done even more than I think that, that they expected him coming out of Michigan. Defensive backs were, again, good um, to great on uh, Sunday, and you gave them an A-. minus. But when you move to the position of tight end, not so much. And I think you know where I'm uh, going here. You, you gave him a D-, minus, but they do get a player back, a veteran who knows the system, and Ben Watson uh, back my question for you is what kind of role do you think he has, if any, uh, Sunday in Washington? Uh, I mean, if he's healthy and ready to go and they won't know because they haven't, you know, by league rule, have had any contact with him over the last month. Uh, but if he's healthy, fit, I, I think he'll start right away. I mean, they, they need a ton of help at that tight end position. Matt Lacoste, you know, admittedly has been dealing with injury. But he and Ryan Izzo, the only tight ends to have played so far, have combined for just four catches in four weeks. And when you look at their work in the running game, I mean, Izzo is just getting washed out and controlled on the edges of those runs that you saw repeatedly blown up in Buffalo. You know, Watson's not uh, 
superb blocker, but he, he does enough to know where his strengths lie, and he'll certainly provide more of a receiving threat. So when you just consider it's hard to get worse there from a blocking standpoint, and, you know, the Bills are all but ignoring Ryan Izzo, Watson should change that. And if you get him out in space, I mean, he's still got some good speed. We saw that throughout training camp and practices and, and a couple times in the preseason games. So he might be getting up there in age, but he can still move, and I think he'll slide right into the starting lineup uh, on Sunday if he's fully healthy and fit. All right, the Tom Brady question I have for you, uh, Andrew. How much of his struggles on Sunday and and I, I think inconsistency over the first four weeks of the season in terms of his production has been lack of wide receiver depth? How much is the O-line and how much is just Tom Brady uh, taking some time to get up to speed this season? Yeah, there, there's no more position difficult to evaluate and separate You know what's on his shoulders and what he can control and what he's responsible for. Quarterback. I mean, his performance is affected by the blocking up front, of course, the receivers, as you mentioned, and then sometimes his running backs and pass protection are running their own round. So all of that has to be in sync. And when I look at Brady, I mean, the first two weeks, he looks like the same quarterback we saw last year. In Buffalo, to me, it was last year, but in weeks two and three, when they're losing on the road at Jacksonville and Detroit, he's just a little, you know, skittish in the pocket, a little jittery, departing them a little bit too early. And you understand it because, of course, they're dealing with, you know, an offensive line that's still coming into his own, at least this year, you know, has some recent street for agents that left tackle in some other spots. But, you know, for him, he's just got to stand in there a little bit more. And I think I gave him a C- minus for Buffalo. But, you know, on the whole, I'd say he's certainly about a, a B-plus probably overall. So I think they do need a little bit more help. Philip Dorsett and, and Josh Gordon have got to separate better. I mean, even certain simple slants were just raved by Bill's defensive backs. Uh, but I think Ben Watson's, you know, return will help. The offensive line should only get better as the season progresses. That's the hallmark of a, you know, a scar coach offensive line. And then the running backs, you know, are a little bit dinged up. Burkhead wasn't wasn't himself. Um, and and then it's a good Bills defense. So you know, on the whole, I, I think Brady's Brady's been fine. But you know, if he can't get that help, I think you might see the Patriots' efforts make another move at receiver or tight end. Yeah, I, and I mean, it does sound kind of ludicrous that I'm criticizing Tom Brady, but you know, when you watch with the naked eye, sometimes you just see a, a, when your expectations of Tom Brady's performance, you know, are Mount Everest and you're at Mount Washington, that's still pretty doggone high, but you, you yeah, notice, yeah. you notice the difference. I mean, you notice even that fall off that Brady doesn't look quite as sharp as we were used to seeing him. And I thought in even the jet game where he had pretty decent numbers, the last three quarters, he just didn't look comfortable in the pocket to me. No, he didn't. And that's, you know, the, the first part that you say where it feels ludicrous to criticize Tom Brady. I think that is an instinct that anyone has who's trying to look at, you know, the Patriots with a critical eye, which is, of course, our job here in the media side. But there's just this, oh, how can we criticize Tom Brady? Well, frankly, he's criticizing himself. So once you kind of get over that initial hump and say just strictly based on the film and assess what he could do, what he's done, and what he could have done, I mean, it, it absolutely wasn't up to par. And I think you're right, even dating back to that Jets game where they rolled the three touchdowns in their first three drives. But he's off the mark. I thought he saw some questionable decisions throwing deep to Phil Dorsett and Josh Gordon, and he can be frustrated. But the fact of the matter was he didn't complete a single pass. We completed one pass longer than eight yards downfield. So he became this check down Charlie against Buffalo. And yeah, they're playing fast, but you know what? The pressure on him when you really start tallying up the hurries and the quarterback hits the lap of the offensive line, protection was good. So that's on him. I think I hold on to the ball a little bit longer, you know, make some smarter decisions and everyone's going to have a down game. And historically the last couple of years, he's been tough against Buffalo, but you know, that there's a lot going on there when you look at Brady, because then there's of course this inevitable blowback where everyone wants to blame everybody else. But the fact of the matter is, 
he can be better, and he's been worth the last couple games. That'll happen in the natural course of the season. It's just a matter of, okay, can he go against the below-average Redskins defense this Sunday and perform at the level we expect? If not, now this is the trend, and trends, you know, at least for him, could be a little bit troubling for the Patriots offense as a whole. Am I going to see you in D.C. this Sunday? Oh, yeah, I will be there. We're, <laughs> we're still getting travel figured out, but if I have to drive, put it on my own dime that's what we'll do I'm, I'm really looking forward to being back there on game day that is a dedicated patriots beat writer that i can relate with because i have uh, <laughs> been in those shoes andrew callahan so i look forward to i'm sure i'll see you down there uh we'll be down there evan lazar and uh, sierra goodwill the clns team clns will be on site uh, and team boston herald will be there as well headed up by the great coverage now of andrew callahan you can follow him on twitter at underscore Andrew Callahan. I want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast. Thank our terrific guest, Andrew Callahan. Also, want to thank our great sponsor, betonline.ag. For producer Mike Alonji and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, this is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcast. Or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.